All right, everybody. Well, uh, happy ninth anniversary to CVC. Uh, today is a really uh, fun day. I, I am just, I honestly really full of so much gratitude. And um, thank everyone for being here. Thank you to uh, worship team. What an incredible job. Thank you guys. Could give them a round of applause. Um, one kind of fun thing. So that, I don't know, you probably noticed, maybe you didn't, but that song that was playing in the background of the slideshow, Ben uh, produced that. He wrote that song and produced it. So isn't that incredible? I mean, doing such a good job over these nine, I mean, Ben, that's a lot of worship leading for nine years. I mean, <laughs> he's really put a lot, and so have many of you. So thank you for your investment over the last nine years that have made a church family uh, for folks to enjoy getting to know God together. And really, it's my heart of hearts that our church would not only be a blessing just to our community, but we exist to be a blessing to others, to constantly reach out, help people know who God is, and connect with Jesus. So that's really at the heart of what, why we're here and what we've been doing uh, when we started the church over nine years ago. Um, and if you're new to our church, so our tradition, what we've done typically over the last um, nine years, I guess it's been, so uh, we've been every year at our anniversary service, we've been going through the 23rd Psalm. Uh, because that is the blueprint that God gave us for the church, really. It is uh, to, to be a Psalm 23 community for people who live along Route 23. That's to be a place where people can understand God as their shepherd, Jesus as their shepherd, where they can find refreshment and restoration for, for their souls. And that's what we've been doing. And it's been fun to see how God's been doing some amazing things. Uh, if you could pull up a sound team, if you could pull up the, the first verse there, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, that's, the, that's where it starts off. So it starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. So what I've done over the course of the last nine years, we've gone through one verse at a time, but we want to take a little bit of a different approach today, which would be, it should be kind of fun. But let's, let's just say that together uh, as a community. The Lord is my shepherd. Very simple. It's a, a simple idea, uh, but it's, it's something that the King David, as he wrote as a shepherd himself, a thousand years ago, a thousand years earlier, uh, before Jesus came, he was, he was talking about Jesus himself. And so what we're trying to do here at Conchock and Vineyard Church is really just to help people uh, know Jesus and follow him. That's basically what we're trying to do, to help people see Jesus as a good shepherd for their lives. And that's my hope for each and every one of us. And so what I want to do today is using Psalm 23 as a frame of reference, uh, I want to consider what life might be like if Jesus wasn't our shepherd. What if Jesus was not? What, was, what if it was just the opposite of that? So that we can then more deeply understand and appreciate what Jesus has done for us and the importance and relevance of Jesus in each of our lives. And so today, you might be here today thinking, well, you know, I don't really know why Jesus is relevant. I've heard of him. He's a good guy or, you know, he's a good teacher. But there may not be a sense of, hey, this guy, uh, Jesus, who I heard so much about and that we sing about and that we celebrate, uh, I don't really understand how that might make an impact on my life. So hopefully today, whether you were asking that question or whether you've been a follower of Jesus intentionally for, for years or, or new, I think that there's a reason at, that the scriptures will give us today as we look at it to help us understand why that might be something worth celebrating, which is what we're doing today. So today's, uh, today's sermon title is called uh, Sheep Without a Shepherd. So you can go on. Looks like my connection is going a little dry here. So let's, let's say a quick prayer, and then we'll, we'll jump in. So, Lord, uh, as we sang about, thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, for those of us who've had the opportunity to be part of this church for a short time or a longer time, thank you for the community and the family that you're building. Thank you for your presence, and thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. And we pray that 
at any point in our church, whether it's right now in our, in our service together or in the future, that you would be what we're all about. It would just be simply about Jesus and all the other stuff that can get involved there uh, that, that's not about you and that can distract people from knowing you, that that would fall away and we would just simply be your people. You would be our God. And today, Jesus, would you reveal more of who you are to each and every one of us? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, cool. So we're going to look at a little snippet here uh, from Jesus' ministry, and then we're going to go back into Psalm 23. And this is a snippet. So what, did you, what was Jesus doing? The majority of his time, he was doing one of several things. He was proclaiming the kingdom of God. He was, he was telling people about the good news and calling them to repent, meaning to change their way of thinking, to change their mindset, to turn their lives around because God's kingdom is available to them. He was teaching them about God and his kingdom. He was, he was healing the sick. He was proclaiming the good news, and he was also teaching, he was praying himself and connecting with God. So, in the the response to this, I want to look at Matthew chapter 9. There's a real brief um, section there. So this is what it says here. And I'm going to build out some of the context as we go on. But here's basically a characterization of Jesus' ministry. So when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So I don't know about you, but when I see the crowds, that's not my first response. I see the crowds and I think, all right, well, how can I get out of this crowd as quickly as possible? Or, ew, crowd, like, I want to be home right now. I want to be home on my couch away from the crowds. And especially during times of COVID, it's like walking into one giant Petri dish. It's like, I just want to avoid crowds altogether. And I think that kind of mentality of being around crowds, does anyone just love crowds? They like love spending their free time in crowds? Well, ben, Ben, maybe Nick, okay, is a job. You, you're, so do we have people who do crowd, there's crowd control for a reason. So if you want to learn about how to appreciate crowds, go talk to Nick, he'll help you out. But, but Jesus had a much different response. Uh, so Jesus, when he saw the crowds, it says he was moved this with compassion. And that word compassion, uh, it, in the Greek, it, it actually means to have your internal, or, to be moved so deeply that your inter- internal organs are, are physically and viscerally moved. And so when we see this picture of Jesus seeing his crowds, he was so moved as if he got sick to his stomach. Do you ever get that feeling something bad happens and you get a, like a, like a, you don't want to eat. You're feeling like that pit just sits there. You know, um, I had a, this, uh, like a very mini version of that on Friday. I was at a lunch with um, a leader from Ethiopia. And he, uh, it's called Embracing Hope Ethiopia. It's an organization that my uh, friend, old friends of ours who are pastors of a vineyard church started probably 15 years ago. And uh, it was an outreach to um, single moms who couldn't care for their children who were very poor. And so they would reach out to the single moms, um, and Eliu is his name. And Eliu, uh, one day, and this is recently, he was walking down the road in Ethiopia. And, and by the way, the context for this is just um, warring between the tribal groups. So there's just a lot of, of killing and murder in the government when it's taken over by one ethnic group, will then oppress the other groups, and then there's retaliation. So in the midst of all this tribal conflict, there was death and destruction. They would go uh, into the streets and just wipe out villages. They would, they would murder children. They would murder families. And he was walking down one of these streets uh, to a village to reach out, and he just saw dead bodies 
lying on the side of the road. And he's telling me this firsthand on Friday. And I got this, this sick feeling in my stomach. It was just like, oh my God, I couldn't even imagine walking the road that he walked, literally walking and seeing what he saw. But he, he said there was a little bit of good news in there. Um, and the reason we were meeting is because our church had supported, sent a, a, a good, a generous gift to them to help them because when they cried out uh, to us and through email, through different groups, I thought I was moved to compassion to respond and say, our church, well, we can do something. But he said he got there and what he saw was a, a refugee camp full of orphans whose parents had been killed, many of them in front of them. And so what they, they were able to do uh, was take the money that we used and they didn't have any to, at the time and they were to, able to buy mattresses for these children, blankets for these children to sleep on because they were basically orphan children sleeping on cold ground. And so he, Elihu, was moved to compassion. And, you know, that sense of like, I can't even understand that situation. I mean, how horrible that would be. But he, with a smile, he said what an impact it had and the, and the fact that he, he's able to make that incredible impact and, we, and churches like ours can partner with him. But it's that sense of compassion, that moving that Jesus felt as he saw the harassed and the helpless. This is what we talk about when, when we talk about the way Jesus felt. He was moved. And, you know, I, I had to put down my uh, fork, eat my little salad there at the time because I was, I was moved. But I don't even get the sense, like I even understand, like even just the, the snippet. But there is all this suffering in the world and Jesus understands and his heart is broken. His, his, he sees people. When Jesus, I love that, just... That's the first step. I, I love how Matthew is explicit. He sees the crowd. So when he looks out into the crowd, he sees the children. They don't have parents. He sees the, the people who have, uh, who have demonic afflictions in their lives. He sees the people with physical pain and the loneliness and the suffering and everything. And when he looks out to us, he sees us as well. Jesus sees and he has compassion. So Jesus, you could say Jesus came, he saw, and he conquered, but he did so with compassion. Jesus conquered with compassion, and he sees in each and every one of us, and, and he sees us today, too. And Jesus was God, as we look at through the lens of Psalm 23, as we walk through the valley of shadow of death. Jesus is the God who came among us and walked with us in the valley of the shadow of death. Whether you're in Ethiopia or whether you're in America, whether it's a Tuesday or Wednesday or a Sunday, Jesus sees and has compassion, and he sees you and has compassion on each and every one of us as well. If you think about that, that's pretty, pretty astounding. I don't know if you've ever seen, has anyone ever seen, um, I want to give a little illustration here. Has anyone ever seen the, um, the Netflix show called Stranger Things? Okay, any Stranger Things fans? Okay, so it's really interesting to show it. So if you've never seen it, I want to show you, let me show you a little picture here. Um, let's, there we go. All right, so this is uh, Hawkins. This is the town, but it's what's called the Upside Down. So it's basically this reverse version of what the actual town was. So there's the normal town with normal hustle and bustle and life, but the upside down is kind of like the evil version of what the real life version is like. So there's a little picture. I thought I wouldn't show you the monsters. Maybe it would be a little inappropriate. So there's just the town, right? It's decaying, you know, there's, there's death. And so it's all, it's death and it wants to consume you, but there's this connection between the upside-down version of Hawkins and the characters that exist there. And there's that, that, the, the show is about the tension between those, those two realities, the upside-down and the real world. And so it's a battle of good against evil. But my thought was, what if we took a moment to consider what would, in order to understand the significance of why Psalm 23 is so important, 
What if we looked at the upside-down version of Psalm 23? What would the anti-Psalm 23 version look like? The, the un-Psalm 23, where Jesus was not our shepherd, where like experiences that happen all the time in each of our lives and all around the world are going, which actually with the kingdom, there is a kingdom of light, but there's also a kingdom of darkness that is affecting and impacting each of us in many different ways. This is what it is. So I want to read you, so I contextualize it a little bit, what that might be. And I want to thank John for this, uh, John Chafee, who has helped speak. We were talking about this, and this is an idea that I kind of toyed around, but uh, this is um, an interesting way to conceptualize why Psalm 23 might be important, okay? So I'm going to read to you the unversion. So this isn't actually the Bible. This is the opposite, okay? So just to let you know, okay? So if you want, I don't know how you're going to, how you might respond to this, but you can feel free to, I mean, you can laugh, you can cry, you can be like, sit there quiet and just be like, this is really weird. Why would he say this? But it does kind of paint a picture to help us understand uh, the reality of Psalm 23 and why it's so important. Okay. So, the Lord is not my shepherd. I don't know who God is. And everyone, because everyone has their own opinion. Who can know God anyway? You know, I, I really have to figure out life on my own. And so that's why I need to work so hard to get what I want. I can never be content. Things should be better in my life than they are. And it makes me feel depressed. But I can work it out. There's always more to accomplish. There's more money to be made. There's more to learn. There's more success to be had. I just don't have enough time to do it all and have it all. So I have a hard time lying down and resting. I'm constantly working. I'm not getting enough sleep. I stay up late at night worrying about the previous day or the next day. I'm getting burned out by all that's demanded of me, and I'm not in a healthy spot. I can't stay still. I feel like my life is like an endless whitewater rafting trip, and I'm living at an unsustainable pace with no margin. And despite that, I don't feel like I can keep up with the people and society all around me. My soul is disintegrating. I have lots of relationships, but they're shallow. I have no close friends. I'm constantly battling with my family members. My mental health is questionable. I often think about ways of escaping. I'm easily led into sinful patterns for the sake of fulfilling my feelings. I'm caught in cycles of addiction. I can't seem to break. It just makes things worse, and I don't see that there's much of a light at the end of the tunnel. So I'll just keep pushing. I feel like I'm running around in a valley of darkness with no direction or purpose. And at times, I entertain the thought of death, and it scares me because there's no guarantee that things will be better after I die. I'm afraid of what could happen. I'm all alone. I don't know what's going to happen even after I die. So I try to present a version of myself that seems strong to others. And I can be quite good at that, but deep down inside, I know I'm pretty weak. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, I'm very uncomfortable, and I'm wasting away without much help or support. And life keeps getting more comfortable the older I get. But I think I can still figure it out on my own. I often lose my appetite because I'm in the presence of enemies wherever I go. These annoying people all around me in the crowds make my life miserable. People just rub me the wrong way, and it gives me a headache. I don't have the patience, the time, or the energy to deal with them. I need to focus my energy on making myself happy because I have nothing left to offer anyone else. Surely the badness 
and unforgiving nature of humanity will haunt me all the days of my life. And after that, I will die alone, cease to exist, and finally, it will all be over with. Amen. All right, let's stop right there. <laughs> no, we're not going to stop right there. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty bleak, upside-down picture, if you ask me. I don't know. Does any of that resonate with you? Is there any points of connection? Is it maybe a little too real? Aspects of the un-Psalm 23, the upside-down Psalm 23. Maybe it is, and you can, you can say, I, you know, I've been there. And that can, for each of us, help us see the significance, importance, why living into the reality of Psalm 23, which is a picture of what it means to live in the kingdom is so important. And maybe you're not. Maybe you're like, eh, you know, I, I don't, can't relate. Well, at, at least we, that might give you or give us an understanding of what other people go through on a day-to-day basis. For some people, this is the reality. And in fact, you might see the intersection points. Just like in Hawkins or in Stranger Things, there are these intersection points where we come and rub up against darkness. There are times when each of us walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we feel what that death might mean, what it might be. So, where are you there? Maybe you're not feeling a sense of hope about the future. Or you're feeling helpless and harassed, like it said about Jesus. And so the good news I want to share with you today, even though that seems painted a very bleak and dark picture, the good news, my friends, is that Jesus came to bring the reality of the good Psalm 23 to each of our lives. That Jesus is present and available through the power of the Spirit to bring life, to bring hope where there is hopelessness, to bring rest where there is restlessness, to bring community where there is loneliness. The good news of Jesus is good news for every dimension of our lives. Jesus came to bring life and bring life to the fullest. He came to bring the restoration of all things. And that is why we exist as a church and why Jesus came. He gave his life on the cross, rose from the dead, and released the Holy Spirit into each of our lives so that we can then have the inbreaking of the, the opposite of the opposite of Psalm 23, which is what Psalm 23 is about. I'm sorry to reuse two negatives. Which is the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom come and his will be done so that we can then experience the inbreaking of heaven into each of our lives. And that's the invitation that we have for each and every one of you. And I would, I would just invite you today, if you have not considered, if you've been living under this anti-Psalm 23 reality and you, it is very real for you, there is also a very real truth that I proclaim and present to you as we do every week is that Jesus is present and available here and now to invite you into the life of the kingdom into the good, the good life where God's love can intersect and meet you right where you are. You can know God. You can live a life with God. And he doesn't, God never promises to take away the pain. He doesn't take away all the suffering. You'll, but he does promise he will meet you in the midst of that pain. And sometimes there is healing. And oftentimes there is, as we follow Jesus, we do experience the healing and inbreaking of God's kingdom in miraculous ways. But the promise of Psalm 23 is that we have a good shepherd who will meet us. And that invitation I want to extend to you today. If you've never said yes to having Jesus as your shepherd, as a shepherd in your life, that invitation is, is extended to you. I want to give you an opportunity to, to uh, in fact, to receive that gift. We can, you pray with us. Come, we, we pray for people after church. I would invite you to come pray with us. And you could just say, Jesus, I want you in my life. You know, I, I recognize that I've gone my own way. Would you forgive me and help me be, be, be your follower as the good shepherd? 
And again, for the rest of us, you know, um, we, as followers of Jesus, this exercise, I think, is helpful because it develops and helps us remember the compassion, help us tap into the compassion that we have. One of the prayers that we can pray, so as a practical, is Jesus, help me see people as you see. When you're driving and someone cuts you off, like someone did yesterday to me, I, my response is, I want to get angry, but maybe there's something in that person. There's, there's something maybe tense, or there's anxiety, or there, there's, there's a pain in their life that I don't see. Jesus, help me see people as you see. Help me see with eyes of compassion as you do. We often just don't see the complete picture, do we? When we have an interaction with someone, we don't often know the story that's led them to that place. It causes pain and hurt. That, that, that hurt people hurt people, don't they? And so if we could just ask God and take a moment, say, God, give us your eyes so we can see with more compassion. So God, let that be. Let us be your compassionate people to see as you do. So here's the larger context. And then I want to suggest a few ways that we can start living into the reality of Psalm 23. So Jesus came, he saw, he conquered with compassion, but here's the larger context. Let's take a look at Matthew 9. Can you flip it over for me? There we go. So Jesus went, so this is where we say, he went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So here's part of the deal, guys. See, Jesus didn't just feel bad, didn't walk around and see people and feel bad and do nothing about it. He actually did something about it. And then he went on a very intentional recruitment effort to bring together a group of disciples who then after he died and rose from the dead, uh, from the dead he empowered by his spirit to do the very same things that he himself was doing. So in Matthew 10, the next chapter, let's go, go there, click. All right. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely you have received and freely give. And so and when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended right before his ascension, in Matthew 28, this is the end of the chapter as Matthew's putting it out, he said, go into all, go among, into all ethnic people groups among all the world and make disciples, to make and multiply disciples of, of myself, Jesus is saying, to obey the things, all the things that I've commanded you to do, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we have a mission, we have a commission that Jesus gave the disciples. So we are to see people, we are to have compassion, but then that compassion is meant to move us to action as it, as it was. And we've, so we have a job to do. And this, as our kind of a rallying cry, and just a reminder of why we exist, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a picture of the good shepherd, but the good shepherd has a lot of work to do. If you understand shepherding, it is messy, and dealing with sheep is not fun. They bite you, they smell they stink, you have to get up early, you got to go to bed late, and if you've ever been a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or if you've ever been a teacher, you might have a little glimpse into that as well. But these, there are four things that Jesus did. He taught them, 
And how do we do that here at Contract Vineyard? We explain the things that Jesus did. We model it. Our next sermon series, we're going to be talking about how do we contextualize this good news in our modern day culture, which is seeming to be very complicated, uh, looking at the book of Revelation, which should be really interesting. And we, we form little learning communities called small groups, which are going to be starting up in a couple weeks, and I encourage you to be part of one of those to help you grow and learn in, 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 in what Jesus taught us to do. We proclaim the good news of the kingdom, and we share, we actually say to people, talk to people about Jesus, and that takes actually uh, saying things and, and sharing what God has done in each of our lives. One of the things I love to do is just uh, talk about Jesus at, at, my, uh, at my gym, and I've had opportunities to do what Jesus, one of the, the third thing that Jesus said to do, which is to heal the sick. I, um, this was recently, I prayed for a, uh, a friend of mine who's at the, who was having shoulder problems, and he said, you know, I'm not a very spiritual person, this was like the next day, but listen, my shoulder's better, and I don't know what's going on with that Jesus stuff, but it's really weird. So we get to do the stuff, my friends. We get to continue on, and it, we, we continue on the mission, doesn't always work, but as we pray, as John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, said, when we pray for people, our main primary goal is to help people walk away knowing that they are more loved by God. And that's the compassionate heart of the Good Shepherd. Sometimes pray, we, when we pray, sometimes it seems to be immediately impact, sometimes there seems to be no impact. But at the bottom, at the heart of what Jesus wants for people is that know that his presence is with them, that he is a good shepherd. And, and that happens when God's people do the things that Jesus has called them to do. We leave the results to God himself. And then finally, which I'd like to do in a moment, is to pray for workers. Jesus said, pray, uh, in the previous verse, he said, pray that God would send workers into the harvest field because there is a lack. Most people are focused on their own lives. Very few people, it is a very rare person who is focused on working in the kingdom of God in order to bring in this great harvest, meaning the, the, the people that God wants to bring into his kingdom. And together, as a community, we are focused on helping people learn and grow in their relationship with Jesus. In fact, the mission of Conchac and Vineyard is to multiply mature disciples of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. It is by God's grace that we can do this. And Hopefully, over the next nine years, and I believe, my friend, I feel like I say this every, every year, that we're just at the beginning of what God has for us. So would you sign up, uh, you know, would you um, um, continue to invest the, the gifts and the calling that each of us had in order to help us? So I want to invite you to, to continue to do that with us. And one of those notes that um, Nick had mentioned about the sign-up, we're going to be on the streets of Conchahawken in a week, next week, actually six days, and if you'd love to help us be out there, to be able to meet people and show, just see people and show compassion. This is not only a great practice in and of itself in order to love people, but it's actually a good spiritual discipline to help us see and think outside of ourselves and to do the things that Jesus did. And we have encounters where we pray for people and talk to them and, and show them God's love in a practical way. Where many people, even we've even seen healing on the streets, which is really incredible when that happens. But God's compassion is ready and available to meet Every, every human need, and we want to be part of that. So I want to invite you into that for this, uh, this, this week, but also actually as a community. We, we want to include you and say the invitation is here to join us in this great mission of demonstrating God's compassionate love to people along Route 23. By God's grace, we can be that community.
a Psalm 23 community for people who live along Route 23. Wouldn't that be beautiful as we do? So let's, let's conclude this time together by reading through the OG Psalm 23 together, okay? So let's take a look. And uh, if you could help me, because this has been a little inconsistent here. But let's read through, so we can go to the first verse there, and just follow the pacing um, together. So together as a community, let's meditate, let's celebrate, and let's uh, read through Psalm 23 together. You can just follow my pacing here. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So let this psalm and let this, uh, this way of life be a blueprint for each of us. For each of us here today, and we pray, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill the gap? Would you meet every need and every every place where there is pain and brokenness and struggle, Jesus, I ask you would come now in your name and manifest your healing power and presence and compassion in each of those places. We open ourselves fully to you and give ourselves to you, God. We give ourselves to you, the good shepherd who has given your life for us. So what we're going to do, as we're going to do every week now, is we're going to take communion together. And at the white tables that are near your your seat, either behind you or in front of you, you'll find some communion elements. Um, If you could take that, and I'll lead us in a time in this communion. Can you get one for me? Um, Thank you. No, that's okay. Uh, What we'll do uh, is we'll take this time to meditate on on God's incredible shepherding of us. And this is an invitation too. So every week we want to give an invitation. This is, this is for those who have committed their lives to following Jesus, who have made Jesus their good shepherd. But if you have not done that, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you can do that today. You can say today, Jesus, would you be my good shepherd again? Would you come into my life? Would you lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. So Jesus took the bread on that first day and he said to his disciples, this is my body which is broken for you. When you take and eat it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's eat together, remembering the broken body of Jesus. John, Jesus said, 
the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus took the cup at that last supper and said, this is the new covenant of my blood. This is the way that I will now relate to human beings. I will make things right in a way that you have not been able to. And so Jesus shed his blood in order to make us right with God again. Now we can have a good shepherd in him. So let's take, and as we take and drink, we do remember that Jesus will one day come again. Thank you, Jesus.